This is Agents Influence Podcast. Basketball's there with player tracking and all the shot data. It's about being more right. That's not a scary thing for me. What's scary to me is when we use it to say, you and I, as providers of service, the, the builders of relationship, don't have to think anymore because someone's doing the thinking. Yeah, I don't want us to become lazy. I want us to become better because we have more data. Not fearful of the data, but how to embrace the data and make it and contextualize it for our customers. That's our job, right? That's what humans do. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. Today, I am here with uh, Mr. Pete Tessier. And I'm Pete Tessie, and I'm here with Jason Cass from Agents Influence Podcast. And uh, we're two podcasters podcasting about insurance together. It's going to be a fun one, uh, Pete. Pete, I appreciate uh, you uh, taking this challenge for us to try and wow our listeners together, right? Absolutely. It'll be fun to see how we uh, pull this off. Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, lo- loyal, our loyal listeners, and and uh, and, and just know that we're going to try and make this entertaining for you and fun. But uh, I saw him out there, and I thought, you know what? This is someone that if he's got a, if he likes this hobby and this uh, side hustle, you know, like I do, this is probably why we need to get on. So we're basically, two guys sitting at a local establishment having a cold, refreshing beverage, discuss the topic of insurance. And yes, we are nerds, but guess what? You're a bigger nerd because you hit play. Decided to listen. So hey. I'm- Pete, let me start by asking you a couple questions, uh, things. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm an iPhone user. You are an iPhone user. Okay. What's the last app you downloaded, Pete? The last app I downloaded, oh, I have to look at it right now. It might be a phishing app. Okay. Or it might be, it was, hang on, where is it? No, it was Hearts. Hearts, the card game. There part. you go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, that shows you're honest, Pete. Someone would have usually tried to come up with if they would have seen that, they would have been like, "Oh, here's the one, the new app that I downloaded that explains physics for airplanes." Yeah, this is the one that I was downloading to study. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm just an average guy. You know, I like to play hearts. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Hey, um, let me ask you this: Are you do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Pete? I love to win. Do you more than you hate to lose? Yeah, I love to win. I mean, it's, it's, I don't like losing, but I like winning more. If you had to guess, if there was only two options you had, you had to choose one about what got you to where you are in the world right now. Would you say it's more skill or more luck? I would say it's more luck. You have to take advantage of luck. Like, Luck is a bit of opportunity. When opportunity knocks, you never close the door on it. And I, whatever luck I've had in life, I've just been open-minded about it and tried to make the best of whatever comes my way. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. So, Pete, tell the loyal listeners on my side of the podcast, tell the loyal listeners a little bit about you. Give us a little uh, – I thought the app you may have downloaded was How to Stay Warm in the Summer since you're in Canada up there. But uh, tell tell the loyal listeners, give us a two- to three-minute breakdown of, you know, take us back to high school, bring us forward to where you are now. 
Well, I, I'm actually not far north of you. Like, I mean, I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba, so seven hours north of Minneapolis. You're in Illinois, so we're not we're we're in the same time zone, even, which is fun. Um, I'm a, I'm originally from a, a city in Canada called Vancouver, BC, host of the 2010 Winter Olympics, famous for its hockey team's uh, riots when they lose the Stanley Cup. And I moved to Winnipeg um, a long time ago, uh, not a long time ago, except what is it, 17 years ago, uh, to get into the insurance industry. I'd never been in it before. My wife and I took a chance. We had an opportunity to buy into a family business, and we did. And in 2017, we ended up selling that business. And so between that point now, I've sort of done everything in insurance that I could possibly get my hands on. I was the president of our professional association. I served on our national association's board, which is called IBAC, Insurance Brokers Association of Canada. I coach kids hockey. I've got two kids. I do, I'm involved in my community. I'm on the, I'm the vice president of my community center. I do consulting work for insurance companies and, and, some software companies and some other entities in the insurance industry now since I sold my business. And I'm just, I'm someone just trying to live their best life because we get one shot at this and you got to have fun doing it. That's right. That, that, that amen to that. Love that stuff. And the thing is I wrote this article uh, recently and I did a podcast on a Pete called uh, the three little lies that hide the big truths of insurance. And I, and I, it's, it's got a lot of uh, feedback, but here's what I wanted to hit on is that there's five in my belief, five truths of insurance, five truths of insurance in the industry that we're in. And number one is flexible schedule. Number two is financial freedom. Number three is community leader slash contributor. Number four is an empire builder. And number five is mentorship. It seems as if when you went through your past, you literally almost hit on every one of those because of this great industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think this is something that you just said, though, those five pillars. Those are things that I find like my American insurance colleague friends talk about way more than Canadian ones do. We don't really identify stuff like that. We talk about things and we it's more of that kind of laid back Canadian kind of friendly style, we say things, but we wouldn't specifically look at those and sort of identify them and say, and build something around it. We can sort of know they exist. So I love hearing that stuff. That is such a difference between talking to American people in the industry than Canadians. You guys, you nail things specifically and you drive at them and you go forward and it's really cool. So I love that you said, I, I, I hit those things, but I would never think of it that way. But I absolutely 100% agree with your five pillars. Critical. Yes, I mm-hmm, very critical. Like you being on all these boards that you're on, being a contributor is huge because it's something that 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 helps everything, right? It helps what you're contributing to. It helps those who are benefiting what you're contributing to. But also what's important is it, it's for the good of your own mental health your own spiritual health, right? It's it's what that contribution is, means to you, which can help you impact and contribute more in the world. And if we know, if everybody just which contributed a little bit, it'd be unbelievable. And it is great listening and talking to people on the north side of the line, like yourself, who are very laid back um, and don't necessarily, as you say, peg at those. To be honest with you, there's probably a lot of us Americans in this rat race that probably appreciate that more than the rat race that we're in. 
Yeah. I mean, there's such a different economy of scale and geographic realities between the two countries. Canada is an east to west country. And, and for a lot of Americans, I think it's really interesting to learn this, that 85% of Canada's population lives within 100 miles of the U.S.-Canadian border. So it, we're an east to west country, we, 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 and we have the, the population of Canada is the state of California. So you take everyone in California and you spread it across Canada. That's, that's the country in terms of population. It's just a totally different way of being. And I, I, one of the ways I really try, when you talk about how Canadians look at things and what they do, I'll give you a really interesting example. I, I cite this in my podcast a lot. So the people are going to hear this. They're going to go, oh no, Pete's going off on this again. So eBay Canada came up here. And they were, or eBay came up to Canada and they were trying to figure out why Canadians weren't shopping as much on eBay. They would look, right? They got all the analytics. They would look, they would look at things and stuff, but they weren't buying. So what they did was they actually realized that Canadians want to shop online, but they want to conduct the transaction in person. So what they did was they made an entire new website and it's got this goofy name. It's called Kijiji. And I can't even really spell it. It's like K-I-J-I-J-J-I or something. Wow. And all it is, it's just a marketplace to advertise your product, but you do the transaction in person. You meet someone. So you want, you got an old, you got an old phone you want to sell. Well, you list it on there, put some photos up, details, boom, boom, boom. And then you take it and you go meet a person, let's say a Starbucks and you swap your cash. Wow. People do it with cars, boats, you name it, anything you want to get rid of. So they figured out that Canadians are were really transaction shy, and it's just a different culture. They wanted to do what they've always done, meet in their communities and have an interaction. And when you see how spread out the country is, and even though the population may be sort of horizontally spread across the country, there's still vast swaths of land, and that's why people like just a different kind of consumer and a different kind of culture. And it takes a company like that to do a lot of market research. But once you understand that, it certainly gives you a key of how you want to interact with your customers, particularly in insurance. You know, that's so interesting that you say that. And I've that's amazing. I don't think a lot of people in America know about eBay and that strategy that they're that they're empowering. And it makes me wonder, I sit there and I think to myself, at what point in time in our history as Americans did we decide that it was better to do it the other way? You know, um, was it because of the dangers, right? Of the fact that maybe you thought you could be robbed or whatever. That's a, that's a scarcity that are scare that people have right now by trading things on Facebook and meeting people, you know, for baby clothes or whatever. And they're scared that something's going to happen even though it's one out of millions that it actually does. But what's amazing here, Pete, is I want you to know this. Uh, my listeners know this about me is that I, I, um, I do a lot of, uh, of, um, of work, I guess, mission work in Cuba. And what's so funny about Cubans, what's so funny about Cubans, and I don't want to say funny, it's just great. They all say this. I mean, like every one of them. I say to them, if you could live anywhere else except for Cuba, where would you go? What do you think they say? They say Canada 
every damn time. They do, Pete, every time they say Canada. And I say to them, why? And they'll say, because their country is so much like ours, the government, the style, not the government. I mean, because everybody has this bad notion of Cuba, but you guys in Canada probably would know it's not as bad as the United States government says, but they have this, they're, they're laid back. I could definitely see eBay not working in Cuba. As you were saying this, I'm thinking, yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, they've got to do things face to face. That's how they do business today. That's how they like to do business, you know? And it's not so much, hey, I want to do business with you face to face. It's, hey, I haven't seen you in a week. How are you? You know what I mean? That's that's the style that yeah. they like. So there's a social aspect mm-hmm. to it, right? And, and and there's sort of this interaction, this personal quality. And let's bring that back to insurance, Jason. I got a few questions for you about it. Isn't insurance so much about the relationships that you build with your clients? Because we're not giving them a product. Well, yes, we are, but not a physical one. We're giving them a guarantee and basically pitching our reliability and our credibility to them to trust us when they need something the most, when they have a claim. Correct. Right. That, you know, what, let's, I'm just speaking from a, a property and casualty side. Then there's the whole other side of, life insurance, benefits, health insurance, pensions, all these different things. And you know, that's what we're selling them is our credibility. And 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 that insurance is a relationship-based industry. And we're and, and we have technology now trying to change it in so many capacities. I don't know if we're ever going to get past that because of the nature of the product. What do you think about that? Well, from what we just talked about, it tells me that Americans will get past it quicker than Canadians will. And that's neither good nor bad. I'm just saying just culturally, like you're yeah. talking, because we're already into that. eBay works here where it's not working there for its own reasons, which to be honest with you, I think is is really really encouraging to an American that, that there's still people that value that out there. Um, cause I think we've really lost that here, um, in our country. I see it coming back. Eventually we have swings, no swings, no matter what I said, swings like Wayne's world. I, I said, I said that I just, it came out there anyways. Sorry about that. Not, no, that's good. Hey, any reference to Wayne world, Wayne's world is a great <laughs> reference. I would say that, yes, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen in ways that we really don't realize. There's going to be a time, I know you're going to hear me say it, there's going to be a time when we finally get to the point and say, you know what, computers are able to pull so many data points from so many different places that I think I can be better served by an AI machine for what I need, but I still need an agent at the end of the day when the machine's not right or I disagree with it. I think that's the way that it is. Now, I think that uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, CEO of of Amazon, would disagree. Jeff Bezos says um, that if somebody has to make contact with them human to human, that Amazon has failed. He has been publicly said that many, many times. They have failed in their job if you have to contact them human to human. Now, people would say, oh, yeah, but that's selling products and da 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 I'm sorry, folks. It's relationship built. There's a relationship there of you trust them. You know that if you order it and then you do, and you need to make a mistake, you can just click right there and say, edit this order. I mean, you can go back like a day later and edit the darn thing, you know, and how you pay and where it's going to be shipped to. It's easy. You trust that it's going to get there. If it doesn't, you know that you have returned shipping. There's all these different things now that the word trust, the definition of trust is going to start transforming. 
So when you say, will it take over um, that transaction taking over to where maybe there's more technology, less people, less human interaction, I think that relationship is going to be spread to where it really is true. I've got a buddy named Wesley Anderson, really smart guy. And he says something to me one time, it makes a lot of sense. He says, Jason, the difference in the power that data is going to have is that we're just not going to be able to say this is the right or wrong decision based on our feelings or the way that our gut is. We're going to be able to make that based on what the data says. And I think people are going to like that. There's a lot of inefficiencies today in insurance that cause a lot of headaches when it comes to billing and the policy delivery and the claim service and all these things that us agents know that the clients don't find out about until they have an issue and they realize how archaic this system is. Now, once again, I'm talking about insurance in America, not speaking for the Canadian folks there, because I, I just don't know. Oh, you're, you're bang on. Yeah. So you're bang so, on. We have the same, we have the same issues. It's, the same, it's all the same thing, same world, right? And so, and so I think that, that when we start to look at how that level of trust and the word relationship starts to transform into what it is now, I think then we will understand how that's acceptable at that point in time. I truly believe that over the next five to 10 years, every piece of information that you have to get a quote, a qualified bindable issue quote, um, is, in your, is in your phone. I can definitely see times where you really will have different insurance rates with different insurance companies on a daily basis, and you will be able to pick up the phone and boom, get an instant quote in 20 minutes and 20 seconds by pulling all the information that you have in your phone. Let me tell you guys something. This is brand new. Okay. I want you, it's not in Canada. We just had a demo with them yesterday. It's called lead feed. Okay. The lead feed, L E A D F E E D dot A I the lead feed dot A I go check them out below your mind. You're going to think the word creepy. You're going to think the word big brother. It's not allowed in Canada and it's not allowed in Europe as of right now because of privacy concerns. But here's what it is, Pete. Somebody, you can choose an area, which some of your listeners and my listeners may, may know as called geofencing. You can geofence an area like a convention center and you can find out when the contractor's plumbing convention was at there. And you can look and say, oh, that was on August 13th of 2019. You call this company, they'll go back to that date, geofence it for you, and tell you the information of the people that were there. What information do they tell you? This is all on their website. They'll tell you. You could call. It'll tell you your first name. It'll tell them your last name. It will give you their e email address, but here's the most amazing. It gives you the MAID. Until this Monday, I didn't know what MAID was. It's called your mobile ad identification number. And what it allows is it allows me to send an ad directly to your phone. So now I can geofence that convention. They can go back two and a half years to any location in the United States or any country that this is allowed. They can go back two and a half years and pull that information and send it to you. 25% of users are opted in. And the opt-in comes from the apps you use. 
So you could possibly be on the do not call disturb list in America where we're not allowed to call you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Pete, for making my ignorance less vast. No, um, no, no, no. I just want to say like, yeah, for this is an issue in Canada too. I'm, this is super fascinating. So I'm interrupting you, but I, I no. just want to. I'm in like this. Please keep going, Jason. So, so what they what this allows us to do is is through your apps. A lot of times when you're going through, you don't realize these little things. Sometimes people are just op out, op out, op out. Sometimes people are just trying to download the app real quick. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they're going through that. You're opting in to receive mobile advertising to that phone through that app. But through the way that the things work, I basically can come directly into your mobile phone with my advertisement. Not me. I don't want to scare us and say like me going in there. But I then can start directing ads to that. That's the information you're getting. And that's the kind of stuff that we have to decide in society. Is that going to be allowed or is it not going to be allowed? Let me, let, me, let me twist this real quick so we can come back to this. Don't let me forget the lead feed, okay, because we'll come back to this. But it's a cultural thing. I can't remember the name of the religion, but you and your listeners can look it up. Uh, in the East, in Asia, there's a one of the main religions, not the Shinto or I can't remember what it is. One of the main religions actually teaches that robotic things, things in robotic of, of electronic nature actually have a soul. So that's why when you see in Asian cultures, they like robots. They have them as pets. They do different things because they see that thing as having a soul. As opposed to Western culture, we believe this to be evil. We believe it to be the end of the world, the way that the big brother watches us over. And so other cultures in the East versus the West find these things just fascinatingly different. And so I think we have to realize that with the lead feed, like, is this eerie because that's just what we know, or is it going to make our lives better in some ways? Now, there's always going to be people out there that are going to be idiots and they're going to abuse it. But folks, sometimes that's the 10 or 20% we concentrate on versus the 80% good use that could be used for these type of things. What do you think about that, Pete? There, there's so much to unpack there. I don't even know where I know, to I begin. I apologize. I, I mean, should stop. No, no, no. I mean, that's just, I mean, let's just go back to this idea of the lead feed and this hyper specific geofencing and, and ad targeting. I And you raised sort of the, the ethical question of when is, when are we stopping? When are we going too far? What are our boundaries here? And I think as a society, we have to ask ourselves, what is public protected space what is private protected space so by the nature of owning a phone now and you go to a convention and you're in a private function that you have probably paid a registration fee for have you consented to someone being able to obtain your data what 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 is our general consent in life by just existing because that's what technology is allowing companies to do is basically take our information just because we are in a specific place. Is that right? This is a a moral quagmire in some regards. It's going to raise all sorts of ethics around artificial intelligence, around technology. And coincidentally, I actually have been connected by a gentleman 
who listened, who knew a podcast guest of mine, a gentleman, the, the guest was Barry Rabkin and this gentleman's name is Neil Raden. And we're going to be doing probably recording at the end of September, just because of some scheduling conflicts, all about ethics and artificial intelligence, because we're going, it'll be interesting, right? Like I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, in the insurance industry, we are seeing machine learning happening everywhere, right? Companies are bringing it in. There's a thousand different entities using some sort of artificial intelligence in the insure tech world. Is anyone mm-hmm. stopping to say what is the ethical standard we need to sustain and, and hold ourselves accountable to? I don't know, but I sure want to learn about it because it's, it's the game changer, right? And your friend Wes, who you referred to, he's absolutely right. Data is about making better decisions. It's about taking the emotions out so that you can say to a customer with emotions this and convince mm-hmm. them that this is the better solution for you rather than the one you think you need. Because this is what we know about this peril or this risk or your risk profile. And 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 our passion is going to be the emotion that helps convince the customer for that for to to the right product because we can be more right than wrong do you like jason are you a sports guy do you um do you follow certain leagues or sports or teams oh, yeah. who are you yeah teams? absolutely i'm i'm a deep 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 hard uh university of kentucky wildcat fan for col- for college uh-huh. basketball but i okay. also live right across i live right across the river from st louis so i'm a huge cardinal st louis cardinals fan so ba- basketball and baseball right that's right. So what are the two sports that really led in pioneering the use of data? Well, we've all watched Moneyball, right? We've, right. You know, you know, and, and the Steve James book and everything. Basketball's there with player tracking and all the shot data. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I read an article, I think it was in Sports Illustrated or ESPN. It was about a, 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 a physicist and this guy's a kid by nature you know he was in his mid-20s that the golden state warriors hired to help change the arc of the shots that their players were making because he mm-hmm. figured out there's a better way to have an arc that had a higher percentage chance of getting in the basket i mean it, so it's about being more right that's not a scary thing for me what's it's scary- not a scary thing Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, but no, no, that's okay. What's scary to me is when we use it to say you and I, as providers of service, the the builders of relationship, don't have to think anymore because someone's doing the thinking. I don't want us to become lazy. I want us to become better because we have more data. Not fearful of the data, but how to embrace the data and make it and contextualize it for our customers. That's our job, right? That's what humans do. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. And it, I don't it is, and I like what you say, though. 
Because this guy that you're bringing on, I would love to be on one of those podcasts, by the way. That, that just sounds like so intriguing. I'm serious because what this guy is doing and what you're doing by bringing notice to these ethics of data is you're helping alleviate the fear. Because we, if we start to have this conversation, which you are having, it starts to, okay, so tribal instincts told us that back in the caveman days, if we looked across the the ravine or across the valley and we saw someone coming to us that was immediately um, known as to be a, um, a fight or flight, right? It was somebody's coming. I don't know who they are. Let's prepare. This could be battle. And as they got closer and they finally got to know them and maybe they ran into them, maybe they had a fight, kicked each other's both their butts and they finally realized, hey, we could be friends. All of a sudden, it was gone. But what created the fear was the anxiety of the unknown. So this is built into us as humans today. So it's kind of like I say to this to, uh, to my friends, I say, yeah, it's like the guy that drives down the road, drives in front of my house, and I always put up my hand to wave at him, and he just kind of does his head a little bit. Sometimes he doesn't even do anything, and I don't know him. And I'm thinking to myself, what an asshole, you know? Why doesn't he take the time to raise his hand? Well, then three weeks later, I'm down at my buddy's house drinking beer. He shows up into the, the garage. We have a great conversation. 30 minutes later, I go home, tell my wife, and say, hey, you know that guy that drives by? He's a fantastic guy. He's this and that and all that. The fact was I didn't know him. It created an anxiety, created a fear to make me say, what's his problem? I think that's the same issue we're having here with data, and it's where we're going to have to fight as a society. Because what we have to understand is, is we can't just sit down and say nothing. When we were born, we signed a contract with society that says we're going to work together, and we're going to do the best we can to protect each other and help each other when we're down. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own self. I think when we can have those conversations and start making it more known, when we can start relieving that anxiety, it's going to say, okay, let's look at the factors that are good. It's kind of like the people who are baseball. You had a great, um, a great point there, Pete. You have these people who look at a baseball field and they see that the players are all shifted to the right side and you've got the third baseman playing behind the second base. People even know the statistics show he's going to hit it to the right side. Fans can't understand why you would leave that one side open, right? They can't get over that unknowingness of knowing. Now, once you explain it to a fan and you start showing them how many times that person has hit to right versus that, now it's like, okay, I understand that. Now that makes sense why you're doing that. But see, it was that unknown that created that I don't like this new style of baseball, but when you realize if you're trying to win a baseball game, this is the best way to do it. Now that makes sense. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You just provided the context to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what that's what our brains will do when we get all this data. Is we're going to contextualize yes. it, and AI will get better. It will give us more. It, it'll serve better ways to make sense of the vast volumes of data we're able to record, and and help us. But we're always going to be the ones that are going to make the decision of that's not important right now. This is important. And, and, and we're going to learn more about our role in working with data. But the, one of the things I, so obviously hockey is a huge thing in Canada. Really? And there's a guy, <laughs> yeah, real hang on. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And there used to be a guy who wrote for, um, are you familiar with The Athletic? the the online sports newspaper sports uh okay so it's an online thing it's a huge uh it's a huge sort of sports tech push out of silicon valley that is basically taking writers and stuff anyways gentleman by the name of tyler dello he used to write for them 
And he made a really good point. You wrote about hockey. And he said, in a hockey game, there are gigabytes of data happening with all the little events and stuff. It's the same in basketball. It's the same in football. It's the same in baseball. It's probably the Mm -hmm. same in NASCAR too. Gigabytes of things that we take in through our eyes, but we can't process it that fast. And, And what we can't do is remember it. We can't remember all those things. That's where the intelligence and, and the, the machine learning and, and all the systems of data collection are going to help us. Our brains can do amazing things and we would eventually solve the stuff, but we're also figuring out that we need machines to help us record this data. And that's what I think is really cool. And when you go back to what you said about your phone and the phone aspect of being able to do everything, I mean, there's an insurance company in Canada right now called Intact, and they have an app on their phone. And on that app, if you say you got in an auto accident and you were insured by Intact, they're going to know on your phone if you picked it up before the before that accident happened. Because, yeah, because in the phone, there's something like 30 different things it can now sense on your smartphone. And one of them is basically the movement. And it can tell you if you like literally picked it up to look at it, and then three seconds later, you just careened in the back of a truck. And of course, what's going to happen is, is they're going to have a timestamp on that on your phone. And they're going to have the, and, and they're going to have the engine, uh, the um, data collection things in the car. Wow. Right? Like you know, that. And, and here's the other issue that we're facing too is, you buy your car. So what, what kind of car do you drive, Jason? I drive a uh, Infiniti G37X. There you go. So you drive a higher-end car. Okay. Nice car. I love the I love the Infinities. Appreciate it. And in that, in that car is a data recorder, much like a flight box. Mm-hmm. It records data. But you bought that car. Jason owns that car. You drive it. You have your car insured. You work in insurance. You're not driving around uninsured. You get in an accident. Is that Jason's data? Or does the insurance company have access to that data? Whose data is that? It's your driving. Why should they get to use it and potentially hold it against you? Who, like, who, you know, just because we can have data, should we actually, like, who owns it and who has the right to use it? And that's the big one. Whose data is data? Well, you know what? Okay, so there is a huge initiative going on in 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 America. It's called Neon. Uh, Jeff Roy out of Canada. Uh, yeah, the- I know Jeff. Great guy. Jeff, Jeff is uh, he's actually in our our mastermind. I have a mastermind called Agency Intelligence, um, and he's in our mastermind. And also Dwight Hempner, which is out of Manitoba. I think Winnipeg. Yeah, I know Dwight. Dwight's a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great people. They're they're both in the mastermind, and we we um, the thing that that it's going on with that is I is they're okay. So there's this guy He's also known as the Steve jobs of insurance. I'm the only one that calls him that, but everybody thinks the same thing. His name is Seth Zaremba. And I went to go see this neon thing that he had built. It's, it's pretty incredible. And for any of your listeners, if you want to listen, now there's two podcasts I did with Seth Zaremba, uh, back in, uh, February or March, blow your mind what he's doing. He literally is thinking outside the box so hard. It's ridiculous. And one of the times I was sitting in his office in Ohio and I said to him, I said, I said, Seth, I said, when people own data, we're sitting at this conference table. There's about six of us sitting around the table and Seth's looking at me. He's got a pencil in his hand. And I said, if, if, if who owns data, 
I said, if my customer gives me data, I said, who owns this? Does the insurance company? I said, it's the biggest debate. And he said, Jason, this is how I see it. He said, data is not in a lake or anything. He said, data is fluid. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, let me, let me explain to you. And he takes the pencil and he hands it to the guy next to him. And he says, use this pencil to write your name. And the guy writes his name and he says, give me the pencil back. Give me the pencil back. He gives the pencil across the table to another guy. And he says, Hey, take this and tap it um, on the, on the table. Taps onto him. He says, now give it back. Give it back. Gives it to another guy. He says, Hey, take this and scratch your neck with it. This pencil. Scratches his pencil. He says, give it back. He says, this pencil was data and it was whoever's needed it at the time. That's the way data has to be allowed to be flown, uh, streamed, has to flow or we can't use data properly. And if you don't do that and you keep data centralized or you give it to someone and say that's yours, they're going to protect it and or they're going to use it against to their advantage. But if the data is open and can flow openly, then people will be able to use it, but people will also keep people in check to how they use it. How that makes sense is perfect, but you just gave a great example when you said, first of all, the lead feed that I was talking about, but the thing you said with this texting, gosh, that could benefit America. Or, 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 excuse me, the world, right? Because we're all having these same texting problems. How that, how that could benefit the world is so huge. But at the same time, that's a legitimate thing. So according to Seth, he would say they have the right to do that because it's data that's being created in the world. And if they're going to use it to their benefit or to benefit whole, they should be able to have access to that. At the same time, I could definitely see the other thing with what's been bred in me to say, oh, man. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Think of this, listeners, to yourself. Were you for it when that girl who was texting hit you? Or were you just against it when you thought about yourself texting and hitting somebody? Exactly. That's an ethical dilemma then that you really are saying you're thinking about yourself and maybe not exactly how that data, if that data can benefit more people than it can harm in a vast amount, <sighs> it's going to be hard not to say that you can use that, right? How about how about the killer who who had his cell phone on when he was in the woods and they used that data to track him down? We don't have a problem with that, right? We don't have a problem with that. But see, where's that line? I know it's such an interesting ethical dilemma. And and when when can we use it? When shouldn't we use it? who should use it, who should be empowered by it, and such. One of the interesting things about data is, and, and, and we keep having entrance back into this field, but it's the whole telematics aspect of driving. So knowing where you're driving, where accidents are happening, what your driving things are. So you take a certain route to your office every day, Jason, and all of a mm -hmm. sudden you start, you, know, you start getting these reports. Well, you're heavy braking here all the time. And you're like, oh, I wonder why I'm doing that. And all of a sudden, these telematics companies start realizing that, well, everyone's heavy braking here. And all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of accidents here. So now they can specifically underwrite, the insurance companies can take that data and specifically underwrite, well, you live in an area that's totally frequent of high accidents because we've got all this data that's specific really to a corner or a street or a series of streets. 
What does that say for people where they buy houses? Should they have access to the data to know, well, if I move over here, my auto insurance rates are going to go up because I have to take this route? Should they have, and will that affect, will that, that affect real estate prices? So what about, so there's an idea in Canada years ago called MRAT, Municipal Rating Tool. And it was going to be where they took all this data from municipalities, you know, rural, city, towns, you name it, and figure out ages of sewers, all the different sort of infrastructure stuff, and then provide a rating system on that. So for things like sewer backup, flood peril and everything, what's that going to do to the real estate market? You may think you live in a really desirable neighborhood, but next thing you know, well, you actually need to spend $100,000 to upgrade all your all your stuff because the city won't do it. And you actually live in a terrible part of the city's infrastructure, but your view's nice and your house is ideal for you. But it's not worth nearly what you paid for it now. It's the unintended consequences, right, that we use. We, we want to solve problems, but are we solving them so fast that we're creating other ones that we never intended to create. And and I say this in, in a way that, you know, I don't want to stifle innovation in the world, but I want innovation to not have to move at a breakneck reckless speed so that we can make sure everyone's got a say in this. And that can take time and it can be really difficult to do that. I mean, that's that's a typical Canadian, right? Oh yeah, everyone's got to have a say. Socialist view of Canada. But Sometimes it's not a bad thing, but at least we got to have conversations around it and let people who are regulators and those involved in making sure products work the way they're supposed to and holding companies accountable to the regulations have an understanding of where unintended consequences could go. There's a lady by the name, and I'm looking as you're talking on 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 LinkedIn, and her name is Carrie Ann Ledoux. That's not her name, but it's... Nadeau. Yeah, no, Carrie, Carrie, I know who you mean. I yeah, know exactly she, who you mean. It's yeah. ODM or OBM or something like that. Anyways, this is what she does. Is she um she went to MIT, her and her classmates got together and they started going to municipalities and collecting this data so that they were saying like, okay, hey, there are more wrecks here than anywhere else. And if you notice, it's because I'm just making this up, these potholes. Okay. So whenever the maintenance crew goes out to fix potholes in Chicago, they need to look at these areas first, because it's the road conditions that are causing those actual accidents to make those better. And, and she's, and she's got that they're literally they've mapped. Well, they haven't, they're using other systems like Google and they've mapped this whole thing and used their data and laid it over. And she said something really, really important is once again, I did a, a podcast with her. She's brilliant. I, I literally, I tell people all the time, she's one of the most smartest people I know. So, okay. You've had her as a guest. I want to get her as a guest. So I've messaged her in and I so want to talk to her. She's she's brilliant. She's brilliant. I mean, and she's got so much zest and so much firepower. It's unbelievable. But this is what she said. So I won't ruin the whole thing for you guys because she's she's dynamic. She said, "What we, the problem with insurance is today is that we rate for the vehicle and the person who's driving it." She says, but when you really look at the rate and you look at the data, you look at the data that drives the rate. She said another ginormous part of the rate that's being forgot is the person who's driving on the road with them, the other person, 
and the road they're driving on. She says, we can lay data down and prove that certain places need to have higher rates where companies are charging lower and, so, and then vice versa based on what it is. And I even said to her, and, and, and I'm hoping she gives me this million dollar idea, Pete, but I told her while I was there, I said, you need to have that data and sell it to Google. Because can you imagine if you're looking at a Google map and it says, here's the way to get there. Hey, this way is a little bit quicker or slower, but hey, this way is more safe. My wife, my wife would take the more safe way, even if it was five, 10 minutes more. I mean, that's just how she is. Me, I'm trying to figure out the quickest way and try to get quicker than Google Maps, right? That, that's me. So so, so that's, that's some of this stuff. That's where that data is being being used. And I love what you said. Now that that data gets out there and all of a sudden there's a lot of wrecks around here, how does that kill property values? You, you, you Pete, more than anybody have brought up another side of AI that I don't think anybody, anybody is talking out there. And I want to say it's called data and the unintended consequences is what it is. It's those things that, yes, data can help us here. But where's it unintentionally hurting us, right? Where is it? Man, if they get my MAID on my phone, then that means they can send me all kinds of messages and maybe they can get into it. Okay, that's a bad way of using data. But what are the unintended consequences of using that MAID that we're not seeing? That's good stuff. So, that's good stuff. I'll, you know, yeah, it's, it's something I thought about. But I love what you brought up from, about what Carrie Ann said. In that the um, the idea of underwriting against the roads you're driving on, and Manitoba, particularly the city I live in, Winnipeg, it's on two. It's basically a city. It means dirty river. Is it's a First Nations name, and it means dirty rivers. And there's two rivers here, and so basically, the whole city is built on a clay lake bed from prehistoric times of a giant lake that was here and then the ice age and stuff and we have the worst roads in canada because it's all clay so it gets cold mm -hmm. in the winter things heave they stretch it dries out in the summer if you have a dry summer like we have now my house shifted a little bit because it's all clay and clay expands and mm -hmm. contracts our roads are a mess and when i used to do a lot of um board work, I was in a lot of discussions with our the CEO of what we have here is called MPI, Manitoba Public Insurance. It's actually owned by the government. I know this is a crazy concept for a lot of Americans, but you have one insurer, you got a lot of stable, you got a lot of stable rates, but that's a whole other issue. But what the CEO said to us was, we're trying to find ways to underwrite against the roads because they're actually increasing the damage mm -hmm. on vehicles and actually adding to the cost of repair. And should part of our public initiative as a state-owned company be to help further road repair with profits or contributions or things like that, because it actually helps your insurance rates. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of big brains in this industry doing stuff. It's super fascinating. But the ability to trickle it down is so difficult right now. And maybe that's where data is going to help us is take these ideas that have been bantered around for years and allow us to find entry points into them to test them 
and at least see if there's positive results or adjust things so we can find better ways to do initiatives. That's the other thing about data, right? It doesn't have to be used for a complete solution. It can be used as a starting point to test True. your ideas, you know, test the theory. What's the, what's the, um, what's the word? My kids in, you know, in a science class, they use the, mm-hmm. uh, the hypothesis. <laughs> There we go, right? I should go back to science class and and, and test that. And that's where data is going to help us as well. We can start testing things we could never really test before because we can mm-hmm. learn from yep. data. And and what is amazing is is like the lead feed, a lot of data that is being being collected, and maybe people didn't even know it was being collected, is able to be. You're able to go back on that, right? You're able to go back two and a half years to see who was at that spot. That is powerful stuff. And when I talk about the convention and the conference with them, that's what my idea is. My idea is where I want to use it. And this is where I think it benefits. Let's talk about this. This is where lead feed benefits a group of people. We find that we have we write high net worth individuals on personal lines. We really do commercial lines, and then we cherry pick the good commercial lines clients for personal lines, and and we really go after it. We live in a very uh, uppity uppity society around here. A lot of big, huge houses, well to do people. They're very tough to market to yeah. though online. They don't read the paper anymore, but they're really kind of on social media, but not really. So you really can't retarget them a whole lot. They're very hard to find, but when they find us, they'll tell everybody about us because they love our customer experience, how we have our own mobile app, very technological, very, very, they can do it themselves or we'll do it for them. Very, and we also have companies that cater to that. And when they find this out, it's like, wow, I always wanted this insurance or I needed to be able to cover this and I never could get it covered. Okay. And so we think to ourselves, like we have a duty and obligation to reach those people. When I am looking at the lead, the lead feed, I'm thinking I can geofence a symphony. I can geofence the orchestra area. I can geofence the um, the, the country club that charges $25,000 fees a, a, a year. You know what I mean? I can actually use that to those people actually, yes, they're going to get yep. a lot of junk from other people. But from us, they're actually going to get not spammed. They're going to get good information based on who they are. And they don't know it, but we actually can better their protection. And people never realize it. Any insurance agents know this out there. No one ever realizes it until they actually deal business with you. And they go, man, I wish I would have found you earlier. And it's like, yeah, I've been chasing you for five years. You know, They don't know that. And so using that information helps me better their life. It really, truly does. That's the way we look at it as good marketers. That's the way we look at it. Hey, so I, hype the, I, I want to tell you about a really cool thing, and I, I wonder if you could even download it on your phone. It's the best app I've ever had, and I don't know if there's – they certainly – it's a Canadian company, and they don't, they don't have one as far as I know for the United States. But they have – it's an app – the company's called Environics Analytics, and I've had um, one of their VPs on as a guest. His name was um, Stan Ivankovic, and they developed an app in Canada called Prism 5, so P-R-I-Z-M 5. So hopefully you can download it. So what you can do, and I'll email you some so you can play around with it sometime, is you can take postal codes account, which is your zip code, but we have letters in it and it's (laughs) goofy. And you can enter it in. And what happens is, is it gives you the actual demographic based on Stats Canada, all government information. And they've done all this research and modeling about all the consumers in those areas across Canada, how you compare to everyone else. 
And so you, you talk about reaching people and how hard it is to reach maybe, you know, a little higher net worth person because mm -hmm. they're not active on social media. Mm -hmm. They sort of live in their own world. And how do you penetrate it, right? So this kind of app gives you the ability to understand those customers and what they do. So I'm typing in my postal code right now. And I'm going to read you like sort of what it, what it says. And up it comes. And it's called Suburban Success. And it tells me my population of Canada, what percentages of Canada, the, the average household income, education, occupation, white color, diver like cultural diversity, sample social value, North American dream. So I'll tell you who they are, how they think, where they live, and how they live. And this wow. is free. Wow. It is so cool. And I, 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 I can't believe it's a Canadian company doing this. So, and this isn't, it's so neat. So this is how you learn to reach people. So basically I just punched in because we sort of probably live in very similar sort of style neighborhoods and stuff and, and, and who to access. And I do a lot of business with my neighbors or I did a lot of business with my neighbors just because we could interact personally. And it totally blew me away to actually learn more about the markets I wanted to talk to and what I needed to do to talk to them. It was fascinating, utterly, utterly fascinating. And I, I totally, that sounds awesome. anyone in insurance in Canada and my audience will hear this, you need to get this app, but take a look at it, Jason, because it'll, it'll blow your mind what you can learn about things, but you can probably take some of that information and extrapolate it to postal codes that you know of where they are. And we're not all that different. I mean, we have some cultural nuances and stuff, but we all sit on the toilet the same way. We all drive the same makes of cars. We all shop at very basically the same kinds of stores, the same brands and stuff. There's a little uniqueness, but it's it's really cool. And it should be in anyone's arsenal of information as a starting point to learn about who you're targeting to and finding out what you need to do to target to people um, who you can't reach because that's the ones you want to get is your new customers. You are right. You are right. It's interesting. See, sometimes being able to collect that data, like as a government, you know what I mean? Sometimes we want to have our privacy and freedom for, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you guys don't in Canada, but it seems like you guys probably have a lot more data on citizens because of the, of the way your government is set up. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Heck, you know what I always say to people, um, whenever you go to Cuba, uh, you give them to use Wi-Fi, you have to buy these little Wi-Fi cards. They call it Wi-Fi instead of Wi-Fi. Then you have to buy these little Wi-Fi cards. And what it is as a user, I name and password on it. And you have to get on your phone and then like sign to the, into the wireless network, put in this username and password. Well, when you buy these Wi-Fi cards, they ask for your passport and they put it down. And one of my friends said that when I was with him, he said, uh, he was like, man, they just, he's like, they, they track you. This is proof that they're tracking everything you're doing. And I looked right at him. I said, you know what? In America, they're tracking us just as much. It's just here in Cuba, they tell you. In America, they just don't let you know, right? In Cuba, they're like, hey, we're putting your passport to this user ID and password number. We know what you're doing. But, and so it, it comes down to that. So once again, I'm torn. You know, I, I grew up in a house, um, I'm 40 years old, 41, and I, I grew up in a house where my mom told me to watch the mark of the beast, right? Where they were going to put a chip on us. And, and every time we'd go to the store, we'd use this chip and, and they'd be able to track us and all that. So we were, once again, inbred into thinking that that was bad. But as a business owner, 
as a consumer, I like it when companies know who I am. You know, I like it when companies, if I'm going to see an ad, which I'm going to, I want it to be relevant to me. If I'm going to see an ad, I want it to be something that I could buy for one of my loved ones because they know my loved one needs that. You know, I find that stuff to be encouraging. I like the fact that I can use my app to buy Starbucks to do my dry cleaning. I mean, literally everything. I like that stuff. And, and I know my sons do. And so it's just like, I think there comes a point in time when we have to have this conversation. What's the ethical dilemmas? What weighing the good and the bad? And to be honest with you, Pete, they're still going to be having these conversations in a hundred years. They're really going to be. I think it'll be a different conversation because oh. I think we'll just like anything else, we'll be numb to it. People say, no, I could never get numb to that. No, I can also, you can't grasp the fact that there was a time called 2006 that you didn't have something that you carried everywhere with you. That was the size of your hand that fit in your pocket that gave you the answers to any question you would ask it. You couldn't comprehend that today. You can't comprehend living without it. And I think that's all that we're going to have. Zig Ziglar said it the best. Zig Ziglar said, if you take a frog and you put it in boiling water, the frog will jump directly out of that water. He said, but if you take a frog and you put it in lukewarm water and you slowly turn up the heat, it'll cook itself. That's how we are with technology. That's how we are in our insurance industry. We believe that it was, it's, we don't understand how much things have changed. If you took me and plucked me out of 2000 and dropped me into 2019, I'd be like that frog and I'd jump out of the water quick. And because it's, it's unbelievable how much we have changed and we don't realize that the things that we were totally against as being privacy concerns in 2000, 2005, and 2010 are no longer concerns that we even think about. Why? Because we have new privacy concerns that are bigger to us. So we're willing to let those go. Pete, I tell you what, I, I, I've had a great time with you. I want to do this more often. I think we should Absolutely. do this probably three or four times a year. I really do. I, I, um, me too, Jason. This has been fun. Like This is a totally different way of podcasting, and I think we need to do it like a quarterly thing and just like yeah, for real. two insurance guys having a virtual beer. Yeah, we did. And I hate it because I do have an appointment that I have to get to. One uh, of I'm training one of my uh, one of my new commercial lines producers, he ran into a very large account. And so uh, it's so large. Uh, it's a great prospect that we've been wanting to get in the agency here for years that uh, I told him, I said, son, yeah, uh, you've been doing it eight months. Appreciate you getting in there. We're going to pay you your commission. <laughs> You're just like as your account. But uh, it's time for the owners to go in on this on this behemoth, you yeah. know. And we're taking him with us. Absolutely. He's gonna sit in. He's gonna sit in there. I did tell him when we were doing the other day because he's a young guy. I said, "Hey, when we get in there, I'm not trying to be rude, but don't say anything. Don't don't ask any questions. Just listen to how we do this. And and then when we get out, tell us what we did wrong. How would you have done it different? You know, how would you use technology to to ease some of their concerns? You know, what? How should we be looking at this account? What are some of the pain points we need to address? We need to know those. But uh, but anyways, I got to get onto that appointment so I can get get there. But I appreciate everything, Pete. Yeah, me too, Jason. This has been tons of fun. Let's connect soon and uh, good luck with that account. I look forward to hearing about how that goes. I always close it up, Pete, with uh, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and today the conversation was with Pete Tessier. I'm out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. 
really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.